Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. This episode of Grumpy Old Geeks is brought to you by FreshBooks. I've been using FreshBooks for years and love how easy it is to use and just wait till you see their new interface. It is incredible. Go to freshbooks.com slash grumpy and our grumpy old geeks in the how did you hear about us section and get your first month of unrestricted use absolutely free with no credit card required. And with that said, the following content contains graphic, explicit, and sometimes vulgar language. And welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks, episode 180 for October 7th, 2016. I'm Jason DeFilippo here with my co-host. Uh, Brian Schulmeister. I hope we're recording now, Jason. I realize you're just trying to get your dream of having a whole show without me. Yeah, yes, no. Little technical difficulties all day long. Uh, fun times, fun times. Yes, we're recording a little late because of my lovely experience with Comcast today. That oh, being Comcast. the instant we're supposed to start recording. Router stops working. Then once I get the router up, Skype stops working. Uh, and it's raining. Yeah, There's- and if you think that was boring, listeners, I had to listen to that except about the 25 minute version while I was trying to fix things. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well then what do you have that's exciting? Mr. Whiny pants. I got nothing. I got a baby. Okay. I got, I got poopy pants. That's okay. what I got. Okay. Brian poopy pants. That's your new name. Instead of, instead of crying, Brian, you're now poopy Brian. <laughs> All right. I hope, uh, I hope we get a one star comment with that in it. <laughs> of course we will. Of course we will. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jason, what you got here? Okay. So just a little bit of follow up here. Um, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know why how I found this. This guy, Steve Hughes, he's an Australian comic that I found recently that yep. I really liked. He does a, a good good bit on uh, political incorrectness uh, in uh, society today. So I put this video in the in the show notes for anybody who's interested in it. I, I recommend it for a little chuckle. It is, it is chuckle-rific, but I like his take on uh, on being offended. It's like, so what? But it's, I, thought I thought it was, was well I thought done. I thought it was pretty good. I thought yes. it was pretty funny. Okay. Looks ancient. It's, uh, <laughs> I think it's about three years old. It's not yeah. that old. He looks ancient because he's a heavy metal dude from Australia. You know, they age faster <laughs> down there. <laughs> yes, they do. Something about the way they spin around their hair. Oh, yes. Ooh, dancing, yeah. dancing, dancing. So I've had the New York Times for a week now. Uh-huh. The paper, so have I. The paper. Well, yes, you you got the, uh, the upside of getting a free digital version because I bought the paper version for seven days a week. Um, well, the first uh, was two days didn't show up, had to get them to start sending it, which was fun. Uh, yep. then this morning I go outside and my paper is basically a wet brick and completely unusable. You'd think that they oh, would check wow. the... So it became like a 70s sitcom. Yeah, pretty much. So I come and throw it yeah. away, go on their website, say, I'd like a, you know, if you, if you write to them before 1130 Eastern time, they will, uh, send you another paper. This was like eight in the morning Eastern. So <laughs> I'm like, I'd like another paper. Yeah, never showed up, so got to go back. And so if there's anything interesting in the New York Times today, I don't know about it. Well, one could just look at the digital edition. Nah, it's much better when I'm having my coffee to look at the print version. I like I like the paper version. I can actually scan it much faster. All right. I dig it. And uh, we have talked about the Internet of Things. And yes. This one, this one actually comes from John McAfee via Boing Boing. He went. He went to Home Depot, uh, wherever in whatever podunk town he's living in now, down in uh, down in, south of the Mason Dixon line, and uh, somebody had put Pornhub on one of those fancy refrigerators <laughs> we talked about last week. That is very funny. Um, I do like the fact that he. Uh, what in our current cybersecurity paradigm accounts for this? 
addition to his tweet. Um, that picture just would have done fine. I, I used to do this at the Apple Store. I mean, oh, not, yeah. not specific. I used to run around and put up like a bunch of my client websites whenever I was bored. Uh, you know, this is going to happen. Of course, this is going to happen with the Internet of Things. Yeah, I mean, this is a, this is the best use of the uh, the web browser on a refrigerator that I've seen yet. I don't know what he's complaining about. It really, I'm surprised at the resolution. Yes, hmm. I, I can see a pimple. <laughs> Great. In the news, hey, it's been at least a week since we crapped on Kickstarter. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so here, uh, coolest. We've talked about this. This is the it set the funding record for Kickstarter it is the most highly funded thing ever, which is bizarre. It's a do it all cooler campaign camping thing that, you know, they took it over 13 million dollars. It's got it's basically a cooler with a blender in it and a Bluetooth speaker and USB charging and a bunch of other crap. Um We've talked about them in the past because they came back and asked backers for more money at one point because they initially priced things too low and they decided they needed more money. And so people gave more money and then they started to sell them at a discounted price on Amazon, uh, its own website and other retailers online before sending out all the ones to the people that backed the project in the first place. Ooh, that takes some that takes some chutzpah right there. It, it does indeed. It takes some fuck you. We don't care what you we, what you think. <laughs> we got your money. Uh, and the website currently states that if you hand over $400 for a cooler right now, they'll ship it within 48 hours or you can just buy it cheaper on Amazon. You can get it for 205 bucks at Amazon. <laughs> there you go. So what a bunch of assholes. Um, and the Oregon Justice Department is currently investigating them as they're Portland-based. I guess they're probably spending way too much time uh, waxing their mustaches. That could be a euphemism. <laughs> it could not. Um, they've had over 315 complaints over the course of the last year alone. I mean, this is the exact problem with Kickstarter. Uh, they have responded saying, you know, basically, uh, Kickstarter guidelines don't uh, – uh, there's no mandatory timeline. So basically, buyer beware. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so basically fuck you is what they've said. So again, this is the entire problem that we've had with Kickstarter from day one. These are people starting up businesses that have no idea how to run a business. So there you go. All right. Kickstarter always, uh, never ceases to amaze. Never ceases to amaze. Um, and then I've got, uh, two kind of a long form articles that I'm not going to get too deep into, but I thought these were both great reading this week. Uh, the first one is called Chabudois. Chabudois. I think I made it more French than you Chinese. Did. You actually made it yeah. more français. Well, I made it say bon français. Chaboudois uh, in the boudoir. Rough translation, close enough. Uh, it goes. This is a long, long, long article that goes deep, deep into... Extraordinarily uh, long. <laughs> ...how China has become the land of disastrous corner cutting and how that basically is a, a problem and symbol of modern times, that people are basically cutting corners left, right, and center because the almighty dollar, or... Yen, as yen. the case may be. Yeah. And, uh, Actually, and yen is in Japan. <laughs> uh, that's true. Yeah. Well, you know, my wife is Chinese-Canadian. You'd think I'd know these things. Yeah. I do not. So anyways, a very long and good article. I read the whole thing. I thought it was fantastic. I know Jason just skimmed it. but I actually read the whole thing. So, oh, did you? Bite, Look bite at you. The Speaking of biting me, uh, did you read the second long form article, which yes. Uh, yes, we were I just did. laughing about earlier, BuzzFeed? BuzzFeed is doing deep investigative journalism now. I know, very deep. <laughs> yes, uh, this is the not-so-wholesome reality behind the making of your meal kit. I know you are a fan of Blue Apron, or as I'm now referring to it, Ew Apron. Uh, I, I got my box yesterday. If if we weren't so late, I would be cooking some Blue Apron up tonight. Uh, even after reading this long-form article. 
Well, this is this is just what happens when somebody tries to scale a warehouse business and in a supply chain business too quickly without the knowledge of how to do it properly. The, or uh, as I put in my notes, this is what happens when some chefs and a couple dot com biz kids try to run a warehouse. Yeah, you know yeah. Uh, the the horrible working conditions. I, I I have you ever worked in a warehouse doing fulfillment? It sucks. Hell no. It I, I did. I, I you know I worked for several years in in warehouse jobs, picking and plucking and shipping and all that stuff. It's terrible. It is a horrible job. Just because this has food probably makes it a little worse because it's chillier. <laughs> um, but. These guys tried to, they ramped up too fast. They, you know, they scaled too quickly. And the one thing that I have to say for them is the problem is their marketing department's way too good and they spend way too much money on podcast advertising, which I, I would recommend that they keep By doing. the way, <laughs> yes, here, here even, and, you know, maybe not after hearing this particular story, but, you know, come back. I think, see, I think what's going to happen with them is they're going to take some of that massive amount of money they have and fix things. That's now that it's out in the public. I don't, there's nothing too egregious in here that, you know, made me think that it was, that I'm going to stop using them. I'm thinking that if I keep using them, they will take the money and make it better for the employees that work there. See, you think that, I think that this is just a symbol of everything that's wrong with our, our, our economy 2.0. You know, we hear these stories about Amazon. We're hearing these about all of these companies that are doing so well, air quotes, because they're fucking their employees, basically. They, horrible, horrible conditions. They don't give a crap. It's it's rush, rush, rush. Let's not put any thought into the process behind how we do things and to hell with those people anyways. And I think they'll fix this over time. I'm, I'm hopeful <laughs> that uh, this will be a kick in the pants for them to be publicly shamed and get their shit in order. <laughs> well, I hope you're right. I hope that we don't have to go to drastic measures to fix things like in our next story. Okay. Uh, another big story came out about how bees are basically uh, going away. Um, they're just uh, the entire hives are just disappearing left, right and center. And nobody really entirely knows why. Monsanto. Um, <clears throat> on Santo, uh, you know, we've uh, the, the, to the point where the White House has basically said this is an emergency and we need to start thinking about ways to stop this or or we're all going to die. Because if you understand the food chain, if bees go, we all go. Yeah, we're screwed um, without the bees. I hate bees, but it's bad. Yeah, it's very yeah. bad. It, it's very bad. You can Google that if you'd like uh, right next to the chemtrails and uh, 911 being an inside yeah. job. Except uh, this one, this one's actually things. real is the problem. Yes. <laughs> this, this one's zero. So last year, Harvard University researchers uh, began working on robo bees. Yes. Uh, it's a, bee it's size a, robots. It's a bee placement. Oh, very good. Uh, B-sized robots with the ability to lift off the ground and hover midair went tethered to a power supply. Now, obviously, these are first steps, but the thought being that basically if we lose the bees, we'll have robots to take their place. Yep. Yep. It's coming. Oh, so, yeah, us. They think they think about <laughs> 10 years and they'll have they'll have robo bees out there. Then we'll have to get uh, figure out how to stop the birds from eating the robo bees and die. Well, we'll just bees. replace the birds with the robo birds. Yep. That's where it's all going. Yep. I don't know if you watch Westworld, but hey, we'll, here we come. <laughs> we'll, get to, we'll get to Westworld shortly. Yes. Um, uh, Facebook came out with Marketplace this week. You know, place, oh, place where you can kill, go buy crap from your neighbors. Kill, kill Craigslist. And does anybody use Craigslist anymore? I've sold a bunch of things in the last month. Oh, good for you. I, uh, I, I never had much luck on Craigslist. So anyway, uh, this is their version of it. And so I, I checked it out before the show. The first thing that comes up on uh, my local neighborhood, a pair of panties for five dollars. <laughs> uh, I think, oh, gay. Well, you know, nature finds a way. Yes, it 
<laughs> like robot bees. <laughs> uh, so I could buy panties, a lot of uh, old iPhones that are overpriced. One Uber driver who is uh, saying, use my link to sign up. And then once you hit 200 rides, I'll give you uh, X amount of dollars to, you know, use for Uber and things like that. Uh, the scammers right. are coming. You know, of course, yeah, they're going to come. Of course they are. So and they'll figure it out and sort that out with some sort of algorithm that, you know, algorithms, they're all about algorithms and everything goes so well. Yeah. And there's a lot of a lot of women who are doing these uh, home businesses out of their garage, you know, MLM type of marketing scams, trying to sell their cosmetics or their herbal oils and shit like that. Yes. Yes. There there was not one thing in the the 10 minutes that I scrolled through that was actually (laughs) worth buying. (laughs) Yeah, that's not so surprising. Um, so yeah, speaking of Facebook and their algorithms, people, you may know, I personally have been creeped out by this a couple of times. I don't you know have, about you, Jason. You have no many, uh, you have no idea how many phone calls I get over this single feature. They're like, how the fuck did they know that I knew this person 20 years ago that people call you? Yes. People actually do call me. <laughs> here's, here's the, here's the reason why the people who are freaked out about, uh, people you may know are people that still use the phone. So they're not exactly the most technologically savvy. So they get really freaked out when Facebook does something like that. Or they're very technologically savvy and they won't use that uh, Facebook messenger without the two way. (laughs) Two way out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I've been creeped out with it just like, you know, kind of great magnet sort of stuff where, you know, a friend of a friend will have mentioned somebody in the very next day. They're popping up in the people you may know thing. Um, So Recode went and basically asked Facebook. How the hell does this creepy ass thing work? Uh, because for a while it was location based. Uh, I think there was a few stories about like psychologists would have their patients start to pop up. Oh yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> which obviously you can't you can't have that sort of shit. So Facebook did completely remove everything involving location. Um, they'd asked them about that, and they said uh, the company claims that while it previously used location info, like whether two people live in the same city, as a way to rank friend suggestions, it no longer uses any location data at all for this product. Um, does Facebook use phone contacts to make friend recommendations? Yes. If you share your phone contacts with Facebook or Facebook Messenger, which basically if you use them, you kind of have to, uh, this company will use that info to recommend your contacts as friends you may know. Um, so, yes, the phone thing does work. Uh, do both parties need to be saved into each other's phones? No. If somebody has added your number to their contact list, you will see them in your suggested friends list, even though you've never put them in your own phone list, which is kind of weird. Oh, I wonder uh, how many I wonder how many degrees of separation they pull out of that, too. So, yeah, because I would like talk about as a service. I would like to know I would like to get a list of people that have my phone number that I don't have their number. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to cross purpose that and see who the hell has my number in their phone. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. You might have. Uh, let's say you have your business partner's number in your phone. Yeah. Your business partner has somebody else's number in their phone, and then they bounce between, the, you know, a second degree of separation. So the third person might not have your phone number, but they have an intermediary's phone number. That intermediary is friends with you. So well, they, that, didn't, they didn't get that deep in their questioning, so we don't I, know. They for have sure. to. They have to use the the friend with a friend. Been. Uh, they ask, can Facebook see who, who you call and who t- you text? No, it does not look on that. Technically, it could do so on an Android device because Google allows that information to be shared. Uh, Apple does not. Uh, but Facebook says it does not utilize this cap- capability. I'm sure that they weren't under oath. So who the hell knows? <laughs> who knows? Um, can Facebook see who you email? No, it claims that they cannot see your emails. But there's a caveat to this. Uh, Facebook that says that some common email programs automatically save contact information to your phone's contact book when you email someone. That includes Gmail. Yep. So if Facebook can see your contact book if you share it, so sending someone an email could mean 
They're saved in your phone and thus used in friend suggestions. Uh, finally, they ask about web activity. Can Facebook see who I look at on LinkedIn, for example? Uh, because we all know Facebook has web cookies everywhere. Um, but no, it says they do not use the web activity to recommend new friends. So apparently, if you're both on Pornhub together, that will not cause you to become friends. That's it. Yeah, because everybody in the known <laughs> universe would be friends. <laughs> yes. So that's all we know about that. Um, and then moving on from that, uh, we don't really ever talk about the big Apple announcements, so we won't go too crazy with the Google announcement. But it is worth noting because we like to talk about the Internet of shit so much uh, on here. Google has moved into hardware big time. Big time. So they announced a whole bunch of crap uh, that they've kind of never done before. They've got some phones, which actually look pretty good. Um with a really nice camera in them. Uh, they've got a new, uh, they've got basically the step up from the cardboard headsets for VR. <laughs> a pair of sweatpants now. <laughs> it's basically a pair of sweatpants, but it looks a lot more comfortable. It does look a lot more comfortable. <laughs> Much uh, better than a, a piece of cardboard strapped to your face. Yeah, so and an entire platform called the Daydream, which is basically their their VR thing, which looks pretty groovy. Um, they've got the Google Home, which is going up in direct competition to Amazon's Echo, uh, which actually next show when we have more time, because I know we're a little rushed today, I want to talk to you about because I'm either going to get an Echo or I'm going to try this Google Home pretty soon. Um, uh, they've updated their Chromecast uh, to a 4K version. And uh, Google Assistant, which is their AI kind of thing, is baked into everything. They've also put out their own router, Google Wi-Fi. Um, so again, obviously going up in direct competition in a number of ways with both Amazon and Apple. Uh, it's, it's basically going to be the uh, the infrastructure war. You know, are, are you going to use all Apple? Or are you going to use all Amazon? Or are you going to use all Google? Yeah, and all of this hardware stuff makes me really wonder, like, what happened with the whole Nest thing? You know. Because yeah. with all this hardware, you'd think that the Nest team would be part of all of this stuff, unless they just raided the Nest uh, you know, talent pool to make all this other stuff. But you'd think all of this stuff would be under one brand instead of them trying to maybe like spin Nest off. Yeah, I so. don't. I thought that as well when I first heard about all this. I was like, "It's what about Nest? What about all of that stuff?" Uh, it appears to be a hundred percent completely separated. So I, it, to me, it seems like they're leaving Nest out to to fucking rot, basically. Yeah, it's very interesting too. On the the Wi-Fi side of it, I, this is not a bad price. Three hundred bucks for a three pack of these uh, routers to place around your home. I, that's basically. I mean, I, well, to be fair, I do have. You know, the Apple product has the backup built into it, the time capsule. So. Right, right. I don't but, use that. Uh, I, I actually just have a hard drive connected to my Mac. So for me, this might actually be a decent decent uh, replacement because the Eero is just way too expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so a three this, pack of those is five hundred, and this is three hundred. So. Eh. Yeah. So I want to have a chat with you next week a little bit about uh, you because you've got the Amazon Echo. I want to talk to you about what you think about it. But uh, I may go with the Google Home because I, I've reached the point now where I think it'd be kind of cool to have something sitting around where I could basically just throw on some classical music while I'm swapping out a nasty diaper. There you go. And it's cheaper, yeah. too. It's only 129 bucks. Well, if you're a Prime member, I think the Echo's 50 bucks right now. So No, no, no. They're still pretty expensive. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, well because there's two different there's two different ones. You get the little there's a little puck one that doesn't have a speaker. Or you could get the full one that has a speaker that actually for me works like a Sonos replacement. Ah, gotcha. So, but uh at this point, you know, that only works in one room. They're not really networked so well, but I haven't tried the little ones cuz I don't need it. I I right. only listen to music in my kitchen and the speaker on the Echo is actually really good for that. So, All right. Well, moving let's on. Let's talk more about that next week. Yep. Moving on. We all love the EFF, don't we, Brian? F the EFF. No, I'm what? just kidding. I love, I love, I love the EFF. <laughs> I'm like, why, be, why are you hating on the EFF? 
Uh, they have a new series on uh, article, a new series of articles about shadow regulations. These are the mm. back the backroom deals that threaten freedom of speech on the internet. Right. Now, the EFF sometimes can go a little bit overboard. I you think, think? Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of theirs, but and I have contributed in the past. But, right, so uh, I. Yeah, uh, but this they've got a whole set of uh, new articles coming out about these shadow regulations, and uh, mm-hmm. I just thought it was uh, very interesting because uh, it's a it's a it's an interesting new term that they they coined, um, right. but it's been going on for years. Yeah, it's it's you know let's all change our websites Slack to stop this sort of thing from happening. So the thing yeah, I like we, about it is which they, obviously worked. Oh yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, yeah. just ask Yahoo. Um, <laughs> I. There'll be a link in the show notes. Go check out some of these articles. Uh, I, I like that they're putting these out because it's just an easier way to point people to different aspects of the things that are happening. If you're trying to, uh, you know, explain something to somebody, their their articles are usually human readable, <laughs> not yeah. like not like some of the over technical stuff. So I like to pass around some of their goodies when these come out. So if these are, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're bite sized nuggets on how we're getting screwed on freedom of speech, and they have a. Uh, one of their infographics that they've updated as well that doesn't really work that well. Might want to, uh, instead of hiring lawyers, maybe one time uh, hire a better web designer. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I, know, I know two available. I know one available. I'm out of that oh, yeah. racket. I forgot you quit. <laughs> I'm out of that racket. Uh, another article I found on Quartz that I thought was really fascinating is how countries like China and Russia are able to control the internet. Well, there's a big line coming in and they cut it. Yeah, pretty much. What they look for, they look for the the line, you know, because um, the internet is supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be able to route around it. But when they have, when you have giant trunks coming in that feed the, most of the country, you yep. can you can systematically shut those down or filter at those points of uh, input. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just a it's a good read on you know how China does what they do and how terrible it can be uh, for just Chinese citizenry in general. Uh, when when the the nasty ass government controls all of the access coming into and going out of the country. And we'll be right back. But now, a word from our sponsors. So you're racing against the clock to wrap up three projects, prepping for a meeting later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Welcome to life as a freelancer. Challenging? Yes. But our friends at FreshBooks believe the rewards are so worth it. The working world has changed. With the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for the self-employed. To meet this need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. Create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. Set up online payments with just a couple of clicks and get paid up to four days faster. FreshBooks helps you avoid having that awkward talk with your client about past due payments. FreshBooks automates late payment email reminders so you can spend less time chasing payments and more time working your magic. See when your client has seen your invoice and put an end to the guessing games. The FreshBooks dashboard has been curated to answer the one burning question for any small business owner. How is my business doing? No more guessing games on what's owed, overdue, or whether you're in the red. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to all of our listeners. Just go to freshbooks.com slash grumpy and enter grumpy old geeks in the how'd you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash grumpy. Enter grumpy old geeks in the how did you hear about us section for that free 30-day trial with no credit card required. 
Security? Ha! All right, we're back again with security with uh, Dave Bittner from the Cyberwire. Woohoo! And Brian. Hello. We got everybody again. Yeah, we're all here. <laughs> Woohoo! All right. So let's jump yes. into it, Dave. What uh, what should we be scared of this week? Well, I mean, the the, the big story this week was uh, another NSA contractor um, was arrested in uh, possible. Uh, the story from the New York Times: NSA contractor arrested in possible new theft of secrets. Uh, it's a gentleman uh, named uh, Harold T. Martin III. He goes by Hal, uh, and he lives in Glen Burnie, Maryland, which is not far from uh, where we are here at the CyberWire. Um, Did he open he the pod bay doors? <laughs> yes, he, he he opened something uh, and and did, did, shouldn't have shouldn't have opened it. Um, he was arrested back in August and he was charged with um, theft of government property and the unauthorized removal or retention of classified documents. And they found him with so, over a terabyte worth of goodies. So yeah. Snowden Snowden part du, but busted. Not really, because they haven't uh, charged him really with anything beyond the theft they haven't proven that you know he actually had it with intent to distribute as it were and so everybody's just saying, like in his gym bag they call him a hoarder he had multiple computers <laughs> and literally the fbi one of the fbi guys was uh, like yeah he's kind of a hoarder so okay yeah i mean there's lots of speculation you know as these things attract speculation there's lots of speculation that that perhaps he'd been working for russia as some sort of a mole there's been speculation that perhaps he would might may have been connected with the shadow brokers compromise of the equation group with those zero days uh that were um that were exfiltrated from nsa but um you know it's this is all just speculation it's there's really no evidence to back those up that's just uh you know, what people are wondering about, of course, is his lawyers have said that uh, they've seen no evidence. And what they know is that Hal Martin loves his family and his country. There is no evidence <laughs> that he intended to betray his country. So what, what they're, they're going to be arguing that he had no intent of of, um, you know, distributing this to any foreign nations or anything like that. So, well, the problem with uh, that is know, Edward whole... Snowden used that same defense. I love my I love my family and I love my country, which is why I'm doing it. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's an interesting point. So, you know, until uh, as more details uh, come out, we'll learn more. But, um, you know, for now, lots of speculation and, um, uh, you know, it's sort of, a, a, I guess, embarrassing to uh, to NSA to have this happen a second time. But well, especially um, from Booz Allen Hamilton. It's like, here's the here's the, the takeaway. If you want to go steal government secrets, get a job at Booz Allen Hamilton. Well, let's be fair to Booz. I mean, the, the these people are highly vetted, not only by Booz, but by the government as well. Um, and also, I, I think it's it's fair to say that after the Snowden incident, uh, Booz certainly upped the amount of scrutiny of uh, of everyone who worked for them, you know, the, their contractors, their employees. So um, I think Booz is an easy target. But, um, you know, one of the reasons that, that this could have happened to Booz and not someone else is that Booz has so many employees in this space. You know, they are one of the largest contractors. So even just as a, a matter of statistics, you know, it would be likely that if something like this were to happen, it would happen to Booz because, ironically, because Booz is such a large contractor who is so well trusted by the government. So surely there will be some shakeouts. Um, you know, people will... I'm sure there will be some heads that will roll and people who will lose jobs, but um, uh, I, I don't know that it's fair to uh, to, to use booze as a, a punching bag in this one. Oh, but it's so much I, fun. I, I try to never use booze as a punching bag. I, I like it too much. <laughs> yes, and you said be fair to boo to be fair to booze, and this is Grumpy mm. Old Geeks. We're always fair to We're booze. We're always fair to booze. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that one. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Uh, so, of course, we had the story this week about Yahoo. Uh, lots of continuing bad news for for Yahoo. Of course, uh, we had the um, half a billion email addresses that were uh, that were stolen from Yahoo, and then this week came the story that. Um, Reuters reported that Yahoo had conducted mass email surveillance uh, against uh, U.S. citizens uh, in assisting the um, the uh, the uh, NSA uh, or the FBI. That would require people to use a Yahoo email address, which I'm not sure anyone does. Well, I guess enough people did that the government was interested in it. Um, now, Yahoo has pushed back against this Reuters report, saying that the article is misleading uh, and that, like you know, other providers, they interpret uh, government requests uh, to try to minimize disclosure. Um, you know, they're saying that uh, reports are saying that Yahoo had had modified some sort of a spam filter to look for uh, particular phrases or code that the government had asked them to look at of uh, things coming through their email system. Um, so, you know, this is uh, more more potential government surveillance, but uh, more bad news for Yahoo, who, of course, is uh, in, the, in the midst of trying to sell themselves to Verizon, and I think the sale price is doing nothing but going down, down, down. Yeah, Yahoo is in the really unfortunate position of being Yahoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just when you think it couldn't get any cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, I think it's it's interesting, you know, um one of the things that did come out this week, uh the the director of the NSA, uh Director Rogers, uh said that um he thought that this account sounded implausible to him. He said on the record that he thought that this account sounded implausible to him, the notion that Yahoo would be uh doing this kind of mass filtering for the FBI. So uh, take that for what it's worth, but uh, you know that's a uh, that's one person's uh, informed opinion. Yeah, stranger things right. have happened though. Yeah, yeah. well, if, yeah, absolutely. If you want if you want to keep your Yahoo email password safe and secure, apparently there's a new way to do this. Um, we've talked a lot in the past about air gapping, and we all know that wireless formats like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth are not terribly secure. But uh, there's um, some folks over at the University of Washington that are now sorting out a way to basically be able to send signals from a touchpad or screen held in one hand to a smart device in physical contact with the other hand. Therefore, we could transfer passwords and have secure uh, entry to all sorts of devices by basically using our bodies to conduct things. Okay. What, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. What happens when you go out on a bender and like have <laughs> a bunch of shrimp fried rice the night before with soy sauce and you're all bloated the next day from Chinese and beer and your, <laughs> your attun- attunement is, is off? I mean, what, last yeah, week we is... had Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi as mood ring, and now we've got meat bags as passwords. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is kind of fascinating. I mean, they're, they're, the researchers are using existing technology in the smartphone. So things like the, the fingerprint scanner or actually the display, the touchscreen display, which, mm. uh, you know, they can vary the capacitance of those things. And then that varied capacitance signal will flow through your body. And what's interesting about it is that it'll flow through your body, but it does not flow through the air which is the kind of the, the interesting security thing about this is that you know, you're not using Bluetooth, you're not using Wi-Fi, the signal's going through you, um, and, and they can actually read the signal to something that you're touching. Now, the bitrate is really slow. It's about, uh, I think they maxed out at around 50 bits per second, which, you know, those of us who are old enough to remember 300 baud modems, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is even slower than that. But, you know, for something like a password... Uh, you, just a couple seconds of contact could be enough to send the password through. So 
I don't know that we're ever going to see this on anything, but it, but it's it's interesting technology, and uh, you know, kudos to them for uh, for thinking about this kind of thing. It, I, I think it is, you know, thinking outside the box. So kind of cool. Yeah, it's one of those things that uh, we on the show put in the category that Jason has termed neat. <laughs> well, this one, you know, I think of this one, I'm like, well, do you still have to be alive to use this? Or can somebody bonk you over mm. the head and then log you in? I, well, I, th- I, yeah, I mean, I, it's not tied to you personally. It's just, it's, you're the conduit. You are merely a big, basically a big hunk of wire. So it could okay, be yeah. any, any bag of meat. There's nothing, yeah, the, there's nothing about you that, that's be different from anyone else. Gotcha. The, okay. pass- the password is not stored in you. It's on the device and it's just then being triggered and run through you. So it could uh-huh. be any, you could put it in through your dog, Jason. All right. Bam, bam. Come here. Yeah, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that a little loud. Okay. Um, <laughs> Facebook is uh, in the news with their end to end encryption in messenger. Well, the buried end to end encryption. <laughs> yes. Right. The very exactly. buried uh, so the the hard part about it is it's per conversation. You can only use it on one device. So if you want to use it on your computer, you can use it on your computer. I get the notification on my phone when I just uh, reinstalled the app um, because apparently Yahtzee with buddies wouldn't let me log in again until I put the app back on. So beware, kids. If you uh, want to get rid of Facebook and play Yahtzee, you can't do them at the same time. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yes, it gave me the option to use that device as my secure messaging platform. So I did it. But I have no one to converse with, so we haven't tested it thus far. But yes, it's mm. very, very buried, and it's on a per-conversation only. So there are better apps out there for uh, end-to-end encryption if you want to do messaging and not get caught. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting why—I I, I, don't—I I guess the, the, they said the rationale for why Facebook may bury this is that it's hard for it to support lots of different things, like sending photos or, or movie files or, you know, whatever, things like that. But— um, I don't know. I mean, you know, iMessage is end to end, right? So it's doable. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. But the problem is, as, as I've railed about on this show many times, is, is nobody sticks with a single form of communication anymore. So I'll get one text. The conversation will then move because they'll decide to send me a Facebook Messenger message and then, you know, a smokescreen next. So it's just so <laughs> annoying. Um <laughs> That is the beyond annoying thing about this is the one device, because the whole point of of these sorts of communication methods is the conveniences. I can be sitting at my computer and be answering a a conversation and then on the go, I'll continue the conversation on my phone. And the idea that that I'm basically losing the encryption because I had to pick one or the other that it would be encrypted on is fucking stupid. I mean, it really just is. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot I, I, I disagree don't think, with you. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody is disagreeing with you here, bro. I think we're all on on your side. All right, just pointing it out. Yeah, for, so you, you use strong words because you feel strongly about it. I shockingly, I feel strongly about something involving Facebook Messenger. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. All right, fair uh, enough. Fair okay, enough. Uh, moving on. TechCrunch had an interesting article. Uh, what makes IoT ransomware a different and more dangerous threat? All of it. Well, yeah, it's very, very interesting. They bring up some very good points where, yes, uh, with the Internet of Things now, with uh, ransomware transitioning from just your computer and not being able to log in and get your pictures of your kid or your puppy, um, you can now you have so many things connected that uh, they can you know, put some ransomware on an actual device and then hold you hostage. But when it comes down to things like cars, uh, well, you can't start. You can't go to work today unless you send us 20 rubles. Things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, it's very interesting. And, you know, it's it's going to be one of those things that's evolving as we or, see. With the, 
Or if you're on, say, you're in your car and they say you have to go, you cannot go below 50 miles per hour. Yeah. Wait, exactly. was that a movie? Hold on a second. Internet of it Speed. Should have been. <laughs> yeah, so that's, what, that's what, when I they am. when they reboot Speed. That's what, exactly what it'll be. There'll be a, an IoT <laughs> hack on the bus. And right, exactly. Like when they redid Spider Man, and they they was no longer a radioactive spider. It was a genetically engineered spider. They'll just update it for the the current uh, technology. Yep. Yeah. I, I, find, I think this is interesting also for, you know, when you're looking at things like hospitals and even even just the threat of something like this, you know, what if someone it, it's sort of like a bomb th- threat. You know, what if I called in and said, if you don't uh, send me, you know, 10 Bitcoin by noon, um, every insulin pump in your hospital is going to go offline. Oh, yeah. Whether or not that whether or not that actually could happen, you know, all, all I have to do is demonstrate that I have the, you know, once, if I can, if I can demonstrate to a hospital that I can take one insulin pump offline, for example, uh, so that, you know, the hospital knows that perhaps, you know, someone out there can make good on this threat. Uh, I think that's an interesting scenario of being able to, would merely being able to make the threat, uh, get something like a hospital to be able to, um, to pay the ransom rather than risk the possibility of, you know, loss of life. Yeah, and I think we've we've covered a couple stories already the, of some different hospitals that have been hit by with ransomware, and I believe yep. one of the hospitals did pay them off, right? That was the uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it, it it has happened absolutely. They have paid them off, and and I so I think that's really you know an interesting scenario. And then obviously there's things like um, when you get into the industrial IoT with things like power grids and uh, you know water systems and and um, control systems for dams and things like that. Then you've got a lot of uh, sticky business there as well. Well, we need to get on our screenplays before this becomes a reality so we can write near future and not past. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting article. It's a pretty it's a pretty uh pretty comprehensive article. It's worth worth a look. Yeah, I thought it was very well thought out. I was I was I was surprised this came from TechCrunch. It's usually <laughs> that's usually pre- just press release central. God, we're getting news from BuzzFeed, TechCrunch and actual news and reporting. What's happening to this world? Ah, uh, it's confusing. Uh, uh Jay, it's your positive attitude that I admire, Jason. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> What's the name of this show? Oh, that's right. I, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I found this other one in Fortune uh, about a, a, basically a CRM for restaurants, high-end restaurants for the fancy pants out there called Seven Rooms. Uh, have you guys heard of this? I have. I, not, I have not heard of it, no. Uh, Brian's the fancy pants when he gets to go to re- the really nice places. Uh, <laughs> what's it like? Uh, yeah, expensive. Da- David, I'll be yeah. sitting outside, like, like you know, looking in the window, like out of a Dickens right. novel. <laughs> right. We'll be across the street, looking out, th- practicing our violins, you know, while everyone else is out having playing, having fun. Yeah. Uh, so this is a CRM for uh, when you go to these swanky restaurants. They log you in, and then they know everything about you. They know your zip code, birthday, allergy information, previous food and drink orders, and your spending habits, along with a photo. So yeah, they can they can I, cater this the has night been around, for you. This has been around for years. I mean, I, I've known tons of people that have managed bars and restaurants, and they just didn't have a fancy app for it. They, they you know, they they took notes on people whether they were good tippers, whether you know you should go ahead and give them the fancy seat or not, how bitchy they can be, who they usually come in with. All this stuff has been tracked on a regular basis, anyways, by anybody that actually knows how to run a place. But now um, it's in the know. cloud. So yeah, this is this is in the cloud. So whoop de doo. Well, and they can share they can share among different restaurants. So so you can get information from you know if someone's trying to game the system by jumping from place to place, you know, uh, maybe you can get a you know get the drop on them by 
by finding out if they were, you know, with they're a good person or a loser at the place down the street. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is the weird thing. It's it's the fact that this may is obviously going to be shared amongst different uh, different groups of people. So if I, I, I reserve the right to be an asshole at one restaurant and not get punished for it in the next one. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can't really you can't really go across vectors there because the food might really suck at one place and it might be fantastic at the other. And if you're pissy about the food sucking, then you get dinged by going to, for going to the other place, which has better food that, you know, they hopefully they thought about that. And there's, you know, uh, actual ratings of the restaurants as well to kind of balance it out. Yes, because Web 2.0 is well known for its thought processes. Oh, yes, that's right. Well, no, that's what, <laughs> you know, they were back in the day, but we don't we don't work there anymore. So, yeah, uh-huh. I thought it was interesting, too, in the article. They said that um, since they started this, LinkedIn and Facebook have have put uh, restrictions on their APIs, which makes it harder for seven rooms to automatically get this data. So a lot of it, they're just relying more and more on the data being entered manually. Um, which is interesting. I mean, it, I think that allows for more uh, opinionated bits of data to to go into the system than than just sort of you know scraping the internet for for uh, your social media information. Right. Okay. Well, I'm not going to be uh, going to any of these fancy pants restaurants anytime soon, so I got nothing to worry about. <laughs> let me know, let me know when it comes to White Castle and Chick Fil A, and then I'll uh, I'll, right. I'll turn on my happy face then. <laughs> <laughs> I found a, a great article in medium this week uh you guys heard of coinbase uh, yes yep, yep yep yeah so uh one of their employees basically got uh got hacked through his cell phone provider and it's an it's an amazing tale of how their security team came to his rescue and uh, also the other people in the company but uh did you guys read this article i did it's it was fascinating, fascinating. <laughs> yeah yep. yeah it really is it's i mean it just walks you through the process, uh, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, take take us through it. Okay, so um, th- well, I want to get to the takeaways on this first. Uh, okay, because um, there are some things in here that I did not know you could do. Uh, well, actually, we'll just go through it. Basically, this guy gets some text in the middle of the night saying that, yep. "Hey, what's going on here? You know, uh, we want you to check out a survey." And uh, then uh, he got some about his account password being changed, and he's like, "Oh, well, let's call Verizon and figure out what's going on." And uh, through the process of going through Verizon, found out that somebody got through into his phone account um, and they started backtracing because with your phone account, you can get um, two factor auth to other sites and they got into his Facebook account and all sorts of other other stuff. Um, Now, you can this is the part that uh, is a takeaway. You can actually lock that at the provider level. So kids go out and lock your phone at your provider so they can't move it because what happened to him next was uh, that they didn't know is the bad guy put in a change of provider for his phone number, which is a really sticky, as as you would say, Dave, on your show, it's a really sticky wicket yes. to get fixed. It is. And fortunately, this guy had a really amazing team that got his phone number back within a day, which is unheard of. Um Yeah. But yeah, the, then you know they went through everybody in the company. But it's a I I don't want to spoil too much of the story because it's so good. But uh. yeah, one of my favorite lines from it was uh, they they said we reviewed access logs from the employee's personal and corporate online presence with no unusual findings. Because this employee is awesome, he uses a password manager to establish long, random, and unique passwords across all his services. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. See, people, uh, you can be awesome, too, if you just go get a password manager. We, we prefer one password here at the Grumpy Old Geeks just because it's the prettiest. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and, and then also, you know, they, the, uh, they, they, once they got a hold of this guy's stuff, they started just hammering all sorts of people throughout the company, you know, mm-hmm. to, to try to get their passwords and try to get them to send Bitcoin and, and all kinds of things. So uh, it really is uh, just a uh, it, it's a real page turner, as we like to say. Um, but uh, definitely worth your worth your time. It's a good read. It's a good find, Jason. Yeah, and uh, I, I I applaud Coinbase with all of the hacks that are going with these Bitcoin companies, like what Mount Dox and or was it Mount Dox or Gox? I can't remember. Don't they're, remember. Yeah, there's. I mean, they're they're so dead by now. Uh, but yeah, all these uh, Bitcoin companies keep getting slammed and slammed and slammed. And this 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 company had an amazing team that got this taken care of. Like too sweet. So kudos to Coinbase, even though I'll never use them because I don't I don't dabble in the Bitcoin. That's for mm-hmm. it's for degenerates and hackers and people on the dark web. Yeah, That's I think right. the big <laughs> the the big take home uh, I think for me is that you know we we you, if you think you're okay using two factor, um, but that two factor is coming to your phone via SMS, not so fast. Yep. Yeah, they have they have some uh, tips at the end for that. Uh, when you're using two-factor yes. auth, use uh, app-based and token-based. Yep. Uh, and only use SMS if there's no other option. Um, Which is most things. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> with Google, I use the Google Authenticator and uh, yeah. Battle.net. I use the Battle.net Authenticator. They're the only two things I use two-factor on, really. But uh, they use an app called Authy, which I've never heard of. But I guess it's uh, the the cool thing to do. But it's uh, yeah. non-SMS two-factor auth. So if you're uh, a startup... Then go get Authy, I guess. <laughs> or unless you wanted to get Hackty. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, I think that's it for this week. I don't all think right, it was. Uh, I don't think right. that was actually too scary this week. We, uh, usually, no, uh, usually no, most no. people leave more, here. More with... of a crime and punishment edition, really, <laughs> than, than, <laughs> than, than frightening this week. But you know, there's always next week, and you know, we're coming up on Halloween, so maybe we'll have to try to you know come up with some really scary stuff. Yeah, we'll try and scare the bejesus out of you. All right, right. guys, until next week. At the library. I finished a new book. Woohoo! Yee! I read Motherless Brooklyn by Jonathan Lethem. Okay. Never really heard of him. Uh, I think it was recommended to me by Tim Ferriss a long time ago, and it's just been sitting in my... uh, my queue at Audible, and I was looking for something different. It's about an autistic detective who comes from a uh, uh, an orphanage when he was young okay. and works for uh, a, some gangsters in town. It's an interesting read. I give it a I gave the story a three star and the uh, the actual narration a five star, so it averaged out to a four star. Um, <laughs> it's it's, it's it, the you know the Tourette's thing was kind of a fun angle, but uh, all in all, it was it was a pleasant read and something that was completely outside of everything that I've been reading to try and it was a palate cleanser, right for the most part. But yeah, it was cute. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend picking it up though. So Okay. Uh my book was a palate cleanser as well. Um and I definitely don't recommend picking it up. Uh, in <laughs> fact, I, I told myself not to pick it up, but I broke my own rule. Uh again. God, these guys <laughs> keep suckering me in. So I read the latest of the the continuation of the Dune series. They just Brian Herbert the Sun with Kevin Anderson released uh the uh, another one. I thought you yeah, yeah, you said on this show that you were never gonna read them again. <laughs> Well, I mean it this time. 
All right, sure. this one's called this one's called Navigators of Dune, and it is it wraps up the Great Schools of Dune trilogy, which are the three books they wrote in addition to the other three that they wrote before that, and the three before that, and then the five before that, all of which fucking suck. <laughs> oh god, they're so boring. I could write these myself. It, they they telegraph things from ten miles away. I don't quite understand why, because Kevin J. Anderson, I've read some of his books that he wrote himself and they're pretty good. They're run of the mill, but strong sci-fi. These books are so fucking predictable. They're so goddamn boring. Don't do it. Save your money. Read the original series. It's genius. Stay the hell away from the rest of these. And I will never, ever, ever, ever read another book by these guys. Yeah. Until the next one comes out. Unless it's on Prime Reading and it's free. Yes, uh, Prime Reading <laughs> is the is the new goodies out now. Uh, if you're a Prime member on Amazon, they just keep giving us stuff. I like it. You know, I looked through. There's not that much there. There's a thousand fair. titles, they said. Yeah, find a thousand, a thousand random books that you actually like. Have you ever been to a yard sale where they had boxes upon boxes of books? And nothing to read. <laughs> and nothing to read, man. And that's what I scrolled through this. I mean, there's some stuff in there. Um, in fact, actually, if uh, if any of our readers are uh, Prime members, there's the Atlantis Gene by A.G. Riddle, which I, re- I uh, reviewed and, and pretty much recommended on, on this very program. That's in there. Um, there's the man in the high castle if you want to read that, but that's really about it. I was excited about the magazines because I thought this would be fantastic for flying. Um, now I can get access to some of these magazines for free, but there's really not that much in there either that I'm all that interested. I mean, they've got the bigger stuff. You've got your Esquires and GQs and, but nothing I'm too into. Um, but you can get the complete peanuts volume one. Yeah. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) I mean, to a certain degree, I guess I should be happy about this because I, when these things appear and I'm like, I'll take advantage of them, sure, but this sucks for the authors. You, they, they don't get decent money. This is – it's just not good. But, you know, again, I w- I'd like to see the back-end deals on this. What are you getting if you put your book in here as an author? What are you getting as a magazine if you put your magazine in here? But we'll never find out. So Pennies on the dollar. Pennies on the dollar, that's for sure. Um, and a quick – Coming soon notice for, uh, you know, we do love our Terry Pratchett, um, and he has uh, unfortunately passed away. We are getting a small collection of early stories written when he was just 17 years old and working as a junior reporter. I'm not sure if I want to read this or not, but uh, it is a Terry Pratchett book, so it's going to be hard not to. It's called The Witch's Vacuum Cleaner and Other Stories. I believe it is actually now out. Um, no, pre-order still. January 3rd is when it's coming out. I'm going to let you do that one, and uh, you can review that. I, I'm still uh, reeling I'm from the sure salmon of I, doubt, you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm not sure if I want to. I think I kind of want to just let things be as they were. Yeah, I would go for that because, yeah, The Salmon of Doubt had the the first half of the last Dirk Gently novel, and I was such a huge fan of Dirk Gently, and I read the book, and I read the first half of the story, and the first half of the story was so amazing that I will never, ever get to finish. It's just <laughs> like, oh, it's crush. It's soul-crushing. It's uh, It really is. Software, apps, and gadgets. What isn't soul-crushing is delicious, delicious coffee. Mmm, coffee. Mmm, and uh, just in time for Christmas, shockingly, here comes the R2-D2 coffee press. Now, we've reviewed, well, we haven't reviewed because we've never bought any of the things, but we've talked about (laughs) a number of Star Wars random kitchen items on this show, so I figured, why not one more? And this one is definitely doing the rounds amongst my Facebook friends. It looks cute. It's a little R2-D2 coffee press. It's 40 bucks. 
That's so a little much. Exactly cheap. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> it's dishwasher safe. Isn't that nice? I tell you what, go get a ten dollar French press from Bed Bath and Beyond and put an R two D two sticker on it, and then you <laughs> saved yourself thirty bucks, and you still can have your <laughs> Star Wars loving. Yeah, it's it's cute. I but, do uh, like the Death Star toaster though. If I wouldn't have just bought a toaster oven, uh, that that might be uh, something I'd look into. Since somewhere along the way, my Hello Kitty toaster that someone gave me for Christmas went on walkabout. But huh. yeah, well, what, what kind of what kind of fiend steals somebody's Hello Kitty toaster? I tell uh, you, a real a real Pikachu. Seriously, yeah. So Bill, uh, Bill speaking Barr of peeking at you, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Bill Maher caught up with uh, something we talked about a long time ago. Uh, he did a story about your dildo is watching you. And I don't know why I picked the real time with Bill Maher link, uh, except for the fact that it came up in my feed. Uh, this is we talked about this uh, thing. It's the the Wii vibe. It is the Internet of Things vibrator. Yes, we uh, talked about it back a- on episode 84 with Tara Brown. The episode is titled, yeah. entitled No Talent Ass Clown, which uh, was not a jibe at Tara. Yes, that was actually one of our probably worst titled yes. episodes ever because it seems to refer to Tara and definitely does not. Does not. <laughs> uh, so the We Vibe folk have played, uh, shall we say, fast and loose with their data yep. <laughs> uh, collection processes. Uh, again, I don't know why you would ever think this would be a good idea, but uh, uh, there is a woman in Chicago, so perhaps you can go track her down, Jason. Yeah, she's, she's, she's probably lonely, so I can go find she's, her. She's lonely, and she may have a Hello Kitty toaster. It could be. Uh, she's identified only as NP in her lawsuit. Uh, she is suing the makers of WeVibe, the personal vibrator that can be controlled by a smartphone, uh, because uh, basically they collected uh, information about her and other users' preferred vibration settings, dates and times of use, and attach it to their email addresses if you registered your device. Yes. I want to know how she figured it out because, you know, that's uh, that puts her up on my list of, of smart people who like to have fun. Well, every Thursday at 5 p.m., a bunch of employees from WeWide would be right outside her window. <laughs> go, 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 go. Nobody could really figure out why. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, there you go. Okay. <laughs> um, and then on Recode, uh, rather than actually downloading an app and reviewing it, we're just picking on apps now. Um, Recode did an experiment um, talking about app bloat, which I think you and I both noticed. They bought a successful app. They loaded it with extras and watched it fail. Apparently, apps can get too big. If you go over a certain limit, people basically stop using it. Um, and they proved that. You can read all about it if you'd like to. Uh, for me, I just the, my takeaway from this was uh, I can't believe how big all these apps are anyways. The current current size of the do you know the okay jason guess what the current size you've probably read it this in the show notes so i'm I was gonna say it, it's right in front of me i don't really have to guess. okay you at home right now guess what the current size of the bog standard ios calculator app on your iphone is right now just guess take a wild guess it is 68.1 megabytes this is one of the first things I think I remember programming in BASIC as a calculator. Uh, the size of a PHP calculator download from GitHub, including all the graphics, 122K. Yeah, but are they why, are they retina? Why is it 68.1 megs? Uh, it, there's a lot that goes into these apps, honestly. There's just too the, much. If, if you go through and read the entire article, they really they kind of dig pretty deep into this. So oh, that's good. Yeah, there's a lot of bloatware going on and a lot of uh, basically bad programming. 
And yeah. also, just the runtime itself is not small. I mean, even your most basic app for iOS is is not Wii. You know, it's not like just a couple lines of code. There's all sorts of packaging that goes along with it, with the SDKs and all the built-in stuff, you know, networking and all that crap. Exactly. All righty. Well, uh, Oculus is in the news today because they had their big summit. Woohoo! Did they come out with sweatpants? They did not come out with sweatpants, but they are making their uh, their product work better on lower end PCs, which has always been the thing. Oh, it's like okay. to get an Oculus now, you have to go get like a thousand dollar PC minimum. That's like bare bones. Yes. And they're yes. saying now that the uh, new engineering advances will uh, let you use a PC that costs just around uh, five hundred bucks. All right, which isn't bad, you know. No, but you know, if you can afford an Oculus, you can probably afford a pretty decent PC. That's true. I mean, but that has just saying. Well, that's been the that's been the reason I haven't even dumped, jumped into it because it's like if I got to spend another thousand dollars on top of the the silly goggles and all the other stuff that goes with it, I'm eh, I'm not that interested, you know. Yeah, I'm not even interested enough to go up to the sweatpants version. I'm yeah. sticking with cardboard. Yeah, hey, stick with your cardboard. <laughs> um, they've got some other. They got a ton of announcements that uh, I'll throw in the show notes too. They're actually working on a web browser, a VR web browser. Because that's what we need, another browser. Yes, and a whole and, and a suite of VR tools for the web. Uh, VRML, oh. anybody? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, uh, oh God, I can't remember the Microsoft one that we did development for. Damn it, Chrome's. No, I can't remember. Oh well. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a few of these things in the past. They all sucked. Yeah. We did the enterprise in VRML for first contact. That was right. uh, that was one of the uglier things that I've ever done online. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty hideous. Awesome. Media candy. Ah, uh, the Germans. Ah, ausgezeichnet. Yes, they like bands like Rammstein. A lot. I believe it's, it's Rammstein. Like yes, Rammstein. Uh, the best video I've seen all week, and I realize it's old, and I just didn't get around to it for whatever reason and hadn't seen it. Um, and maybe it has extra resonance now that I have a child. But uh, this is a, a German parent, a German mom, uh, getting ready to uh, sing her daughter to sleep with a nice little lullaby, The Prodigy's Fire Starter. Yes. It is awesome. It is pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I popped that on well, uh, before we did the show, and I was just like, yeah, uh, I can get behind this one. I'm totally down with it. I'm going to try it on my son. Yes, at yes. Some point. She's very exuberant. <laughs> she is. She gets into it. <laughs> so good stuff. Uh, we've talked about anonymous content in the past. That's the uh, the company behind mm -hmm. Mr. Robot. Yes. Well, it looks like uh, Lauren Powell Jobs has. Uh, she's an investor now, which okay. is interesting. That's uh, Steve Jobs' widow, by the way. Yes. If you yes. Uh, didn't know that, uh, she wants to make more. Uh, you know, heartfelt movies and things like that. But okay, it's just a, it was a strange one. Since we talked about anonymous content, I threw it in here since it was in the news. But <laughs> all right, we'll cool. see. We'll see what comes out of that. All right, I want some more heartfelt Mr. Robot. Yes, <laughs> I just want mm -hmm. some more Mr. Robot now. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I binge watched Luke Cage this week since there was really nothing else to watch on TV. Uh, have you checked yeah. it out yet? I, I saw that you binge watched it on on the book at the face, and I saw that you were not so pleased with it. Uh, I did start it. I, I'm only two episodes in, but so far I love it. Mm. I, I actually, I mean, it's hard. You know, two episodes in is kind of ridiculous uh, in terms of trying to make a, a full on judgment of it. But so far, I would say, you know, I, Jessica Jones is my favorite. I like Luke Cage more than I like Daredevil. Daredevil has been bumped down to number three now. 
Uh, well, see, and that's interesting because the first couple episodes of Luke Cage, I'm like, they hired the B team for this. I didn't think the writing was as solid. I didn't think the acting and the directing was as solid. By the end of it, it got better for me. But um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't really that thrilled with it. And and by the end, it it it, it has uh, like a bell curve. I thought it started out weak. It got good in the middle, and then it ended weak in my book. Right. But you know, everybody else seems to love it. Yep, I, I'm into it so far. I'm not binging. I'm going to take it basically like an episode a week um, and work my way through it that way. Um, but so far, I'm really digging it. Um, I, I Googled to see kind of what was going on because you know my rule. I, I broke my rule to watch this. I know. It hasn't been canceled yet, so you're exactly. not surprised you watched it. It hasn't been canceled. It hasn't lasted more than two seasons, et cetera, et cetera. So I had to Google to be sure. Um, I felt safe because I liked Jessica Jones so much and I liked Daredevil so much. So I was like, all right, it's the same crew of people, same universe. I, I'll give it a go um, and break my rule. And I ran across an article on Vulture that perfectly explains why I actually enjoy these Netflix uh, superhero shows, and I can't stand all the goddamn movies that come out. Do tell. And, uh, Do tell. Well, it's a very long article again, but it gets into basically the gritty realness that is involved uh, with these shows, and the fact that they're they're personal stories. There isn't they're they're not saving the universe. There's not massive special effects. There there's nuance. They're not necessarily just good guys or just bad guys. Uh, there's always somewhere in between. It's much. It's just way more interesting than another let's throw a bunch of people in tights to save the world bullshit that you get with the movies okay okay and I, I, yeah. I think the other issue too is they have more time to actually tell the story you can you can do character development when you when you have you know when you have seven superheroes on the screen for two hours and 15 minutes it's really kind of hard to get into deep character development i agree but i would argue that all of those characters probably are not as interesting as the ones that they chose to make these series out of in the first place yeah I mean, I, I know that they try and do the character development in their own movies. Like you had three Iron Man movies before the Avengers hit and you had a couple of Thor movies and a couple of these movies and a couple of that. But yes. all in all, it's the same damn movie over and over again. I saw the new cat, uh, that new one and it was just like I, I nodded off in the middle of it. In the middle well, of, of the big fight know, scenes. One of my big arguments for Star Trek should be a TV shows and not not movies. There should exactly. be no, yeah, this reboot is over. They killed it. Yeah. Fast and Furious guy killed it. It was a terrible movie. Yeah, let's go one. back to, well, hopefully the CBS thing won't suck because Star Trek should always be a TV show. It should never be a movie. God damn it. Except First Contact was good. And I can say that because I worked on it. Which I will, <laughs> the only time I will say that. Because mm -hmm. it's one of the things I'm most proud of. <laughs> yeah. It was only 20 years ago and I haven't done anything good with my life since. Uh, all right. Uh, all right, high school quarterback. <laughs> San Dimas High School football rules. <laughs> okay, I found a couple articles on Mr. Robot. One of them is uh, from nofilmschool.com, and it is a video about the framing of Mr. Mm -hmm. Robot and how they use it to tell stories. And it's right. it's fascinating. I really enjoyed yep. it. Or any other David Fincher thing ever. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I well, David Fincher didn't do this one. <laughs> he wasn't there, but you know, takes take take some uh, lessons from his playbook. Uh, but it's it's a very interesting uh, little video. I highly recommend checking it out. The second one I have not actually read yet, but I thought I'd throw it in here because we always criticize Sam Esmail on yeah. uh, on on Bite Club, as they called it. Um, and uh, it's an article on how he handles criticism of the show. And uh, he takes a big bath in his money. Yeah, there you go. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he Scrooge McDucks out at the end of the day. Pretty Say much. what you want, motherfuckers. 
You know, we never really talked about the end of of Mr. Robot, the second season, and uh, I think we we've got enough. To... Dis- we've got enough distance now. I think we can talk about it. It's been a couple of weeks. Well, if you haven't seen well, it, spoiler alert. Well, here's the problem, Jason. We I I have so much distance in terms of it being like a week or two, and it was so boring to me. I couldn't fucking tell you what happened. And I think you were making fun of me because I fell asleep in the middle of it because it was so boring. <laughs> I, I really don't. Re- I don't know how it ended. I I could not tell you right now. All I know is I was bored. He got shot. Okay. Is he dead? Of course well, not. No, we're going to have to get more. Yeah. Okay. No, they, they say it at the end of the episode. It's like, I want to be there when he wakes up. Blah, blah, blah. It was blah, boring. Blah. It yeah, was boring. I, I think I might be done with the show. Uh, we say that at the end of every season and then we pick it back up when it comes back because there's really nothing else to watch that time of the year. You know, yeah, I guess so. That's that's fair enough. Uh, speaking of new shows that I well, at least new to me, one of them. I was um, say, this I've, is not a new show by any I, stretch. I, I added into my DVR recording queue Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. I no, this is not you're not talking about the podcast, you're talking about the Nat Geo show. Yes, the Nat Geo show. Okay. Um this that's interesting because I actually binge watched all of those episodes that they had on Hulu last week. Ah, well, I've actually removed it from my DVR queue because what I've decided is I like my Neil deGrasse Tyson in Twitter chunks. <laughs> I I do not find him engaging enough to watch a TV show. I find his personality not conductive to hosting a tv show or an interview show um and i find the guests that are not the guests but the sidekicks that he has sitting with him grading chuck nice uh, you don't like chuck nice no not a fan and i find that he they don't know their audience well because the people that are going to watch the show don't need the star trek references explained to them and the people that need star trek references explained to them ain't going to watch the show so (laughs) i i I found it painful i just couldn't do it i'm not into it don't care okay so here's the interesting thing about it i listen to the podcast the podcast is great because there's two things that you can do with the podcast you can skip the commercials and also you can listen to it at one and a half x which tightens the whole show up and it's much easier to listen to him in audio than it is to watch him on tv i uh i put it on in the background while i was doing other stuff in the house so it was kind of like listening to the podcast but much slower um i was it's the kind of the same thing but yeah when they're in front of the studio audience it's it is kind of painful to watch yeah yeah it's it's not comfortable no but you know what wasn't (laughs) painful to watch westworld yeah i mean i fucking loved it i watched Uh, it twice so far yeah one episode in and i love it so i can't wait to see where they go with it um i i really was worried about it um I wasn't sure what they were going to try to do with it. Um, I wasn't sure how the, it was going to look and feel. Love every second of it. Not a single, other than the main actress, I'm not terribly crazy about her. Uh, what's her face? I can't remember her name right now. She rings a little hollow to me, but everything else is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, she's not my my favorite choice uh, for that role, but uh, I didn't hate it. I thought I thought she was, you know, uh, I thought she was Evan fine. Rachel. Evan Rachel Wood, uh, the Michael uh, Marilyn Manson's ex-girlfriend. Uh, well, who isn't Marilyn Manson's ex-girlfriend at this point? Quite a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> a lot of, anyways, yeah, I, I don't think that she's great. I think that was a casting misstep, but I could be proven wrong. Uh, who knows? We'll see how she plays out later on. Everybody else, uh, perfect. Perfect. I, oh. I love the cast. I think it's just I think I cannot wait to see what they do with the show. Yeah, I know. I wish I wish this was bingeable for damn me, sure. 
I'm glad it's not. I think, again, this is another one of those things where, like, if you just sat and watched all the game, I, I just think it's better, the anticipation. I can't wait for the next week's episode. I know, I know. I, it, it's We used to have uh, watching parties for Game of Thrones on Sundays, and I just don't have anybody to have the watching party with anymore. So it's just me and Bams. But, man, it's I, I am definitely going to be looking forward to this show every single week. Until they fuck it up. Ah. Who knows? Maybe it'll just keep going well because they got so much ground to cover because what I want to know is what's the world like outside, not just inside the park. What is yep. the world that generated what's, this what's park? What's the real world that are that people are, are going to escape from into this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's you know, that's season three. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to say uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead this week, so uh, I don't have any follow up on that one. But uh, I'll definitely have that uh, in the queue for next week. Yet another thing has made me actually wish I lived in New York City. Nothing which, can uh, make me wish I lived in New York City. <laughs> there have been a few things recently. There was the Bill Murray who went and bartended at his uh, at his son's bar in Brooklyn. And uh, now I want to basically go to a liquor store and grab a big bottle of Champagne. And I want to head out to uh, the Socrates Sculpture Park where emerging artist uh, Brian Zasniznik... I'm not even going to try to say his name. Zenisnik. Has has taken over Long Island City Park uh, and basically put up a multitude of concrete Christopher Walken busts that kind of look like the Easter Island characters, except it's all Christopher Walkens. Uh, Yeah, this is really cool, but I wish they were all different. It's all the same bust. Uh, that is a bit of a bummer. I would like to see. Yeah, I agree. There could have been it's, some, it's a uh, bit of a bust. Some variation. <laughs> it's, the busts are a bit of a bust. But I mean, still, how if you did not know it was there and you just stumbled into this park, how fucking confused would you be? That would be that would be worth it right there. <laughs> this this is what art's all about, people. It is <laughs> the walk in. Now, Brian, we're old school dogs. Yep. We come from the early days of the web. Back before yep. I, I I I believe we're both uh back before the center tag. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh HTML 1.0 bitches. Uh, we need blink. A, we need a hand signal for that one. I miss blink. I really do. I miss love blink. the blink tab. Uh, and then uh Microsoft's uh, abortive attempt at at doing the same with Marquee. Remember Marquee? Oh, Marquee. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> so there's a website called uh, Traffic Magazine, and they mm-hmm. have a, an interesting little timeline of the birth of the web and some screenshots of some of the older sites. But it's cool because it has like when different uh, milestones happened online. I it's kind of a crappy uh, timeline because it's just a big graphic. You know, the technology exists to do really cool interactive timelines. <laughs> Yeah, there could be images when I rolled over these things. There yeah. could be links out to the Wayback Machine. Yes. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things you could have done with this if we would have spent any time on it. And well, there's an open source library to do just amazing timelines, which I think we I researched for a project for you one time. Yes, and, yes. And uh, these guys just made a graphic. What are you going right. to do? But I I originally found this through Dig though. And mm-hmm. uh, surprisingly enough, I still get the Dig yeah. newsletter every morning, which actually has some good stuff. Most right. days out of the week. What they've done, though, is they've gone back to the Wayback Machine and have a nice list of uh, homepages, like the oldest homepages that you could find 
from the Wayback mm-hmm. Machine from some of the more famous sites, which is pretty fun. Many of which look quite nice to me. <laughs> Tell me about look, it, man. The, the start the start of this uh, article on Dig is web design has, comma, to put it gently, comma, made great strides since the 2000s. Has it? Well, and this isn't even the 2000s. This is in the 90s, and I think I think they're full of shit. <laughs> I, I would argue you look at these pages right now, and then turn off your turn off your ad blocker and go look at any page. And oh. I would say no, no, we have not made great strides. No, we have not, and it's getting worse. They like you know, was it Business Insider today? I couldn't even look at the article you put in the notes because I had to turn off my ad blocker. It would not let me look at it, so I turned it off. I went there. Pop-ups, autoplay video, noise. It's just like, ugh. It's it's yeah. almost impossible to read anything anymore. The web has gotten worse. It has like. gotten worse. I mean, I, my favorite on here is the old CNET homepage. I loved it when that came out. And I stole I stole that site and used it over and over again for many, many years. And <laughs> it's a simple sidebar with a list of links and the new stories. That's it. Yeah. But nowadays we have to fuck everything up with JavaScript and CSS and all these stupid kids. Ugh. Get off our web lawn. Are you kidding me? Love it. Now, Brian, you don't travel as much as you used to, right? Now that you have a, a little youngin and not yeah, it's uh, a little difficult at the moment. But I used to travel very, very often. Now, when you traveled, did you drink? heavily i was gonna say that was that was kind of uh, <laughs> i didn't even need to ask that of course and uh if you look at my instagram account you will notice that uh pretty much before every flight i always take an instagram picture it, it it is if i didn't do it now it would be bad luck it's basically a double bloody mary before i get on the plane period right and <laughs> you know? i you know i have my standard whiskey and coke while i'm watching my movies on my flights and i find flights to basically be bearable with a bit of a buzz otherwise oh, yes. they suck <laughs> yeah, just the entire entire meat flying meat tube experience is better with booze. Not yes. booze Allen Hamilton, just booze. <laughs> <laughs> and uh you'd think that uh with all of the assholes that are flying every day that uh, us drunkards would be the the worst people on the planet. Turns mm-hmm. out, turns out we're not. Nope. Sober people are bigger assholes than we are. Who'd have yep. thunk it? Uh, you know, I, I don't listen to Adam Carolla's podcast much anymore, but if you listen to him, uh, you, you know, it, it's, it's the guy who takes off his shoes and then puts them up on your back of your chair. Um, it's the dude who puts out his yoga mat and starts doing yoga in the aisle. Um, it's the people with their fucking dogs. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. And again, I also think that, you know, we all need, we all need a personal drunk rating. Because uh, there are good alcoholics and bad alcoholics. <laughs> yes. When I see when I'm on a plane, my entire goal is to pass out and not bother anybody or be bothered by anybody. I have exactly. I, I have a strict set of of guidelines when I fly. That is to be as unconscious as humanly possible and then get poured off the plane and into an Uber and go home. That's that it. Is, that's the goal. And I guarantee you, if you're sitting next to me on the flight, you want me drinking. Yes. The more I drink, the nicer I'm going to be. You get me sober, I'm going to fucking hate you. Yep. That fucking <laughs> kid behind you that keeps kicking your seat. Ah, uh, oh. yes. That's I want, I want ejector seats on the planes. Well, it turns out that only 23% of the cases of unruly passengers uh, were people that were intoxicated on drugs or alcohol. Right. And uh, this is because uh, last year... Uh, Basically, the cases of people being assholes on a plane, get these motherfucking assholes off my motherfucking plane, have increased 7%. 
It's not surprising. The whole process of flying is so degrading now. It's so ridiculous. I mean, oh, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I I screwed that up. 16%. Only the the amount of ticketed passengers has rose 7%. So the asshole quotient is outpacing ticket sales. So people are becoming bigger jerks, even though there aren't that many more people flying. Yeah, but people are more self-centered now. Uh, Every every day. Every day. Every day. Yeah. Anyways, uh, just give me my damn drink. Seriously. Don't make me ring the buzzer and ask for another one. Come ask me. And the answer is always yes. I do want another. Comment of the week. All right. We got some comments from Twitter this week. First comes, Woo, first comes from JC. Uh, signed up for FreshBooks with the referral. I recommend posting this somewhere because it's easy to miss. And this is a screenshot that he posted of uh, where to put in, how to uh, put in the, uh, how you found out about us on Grumpy Old Geeks. <laughs> and, and it comes after you sign up. It's like the page after. And uh, yes, uh, we appreciate that. And FreshBooks even liked it. So uh, you're doing something right there. I'll try and post that in. I'll grab your screenshot and put it in the show notes. Awesome. Yes, thanks for that. And it is somewhat buried but uh you know go try it out for free people it yes. helps us out no credit card required uh, exactly let's not do another live read here all right <laughs> uh we also heard from andreas crone on, on the twitter this is true and makes me feel very grumpy and he links to an article from uh hackernoon.com how it feels to learn javascript in 2016 i don't want to know how that feels i i, I looked at this article and i scanned it and the article makes it pretty much look like it still sucks to learn javascript yes. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> uh, I I would not wish that language on my worst enemy. It is one of the worst things in the world to program. Ugh, it's never. pretty horrible. Yep. Yes. And uh, Blonde Sazzle writes to us on Twitter. Uh, Forget self-driving cars. This is what you want. Japan tests out self-driving chairs that take the pain out of queuing. And we actually covered this last week. So get up to speed, Blonde Sazzle. But thank you for thinking of us. Yes, we did cover it last week, but this is an actual video of it in use as opposed Ooh. to I thought it was just a joke. So apparently they are actually really using it somewhere in Japan, but that's not too surprising, isn't it? Crazy not Japanese. Surprising. Hey, it's a good idea. It's not a bad yes. idea. It's a great idea. Now, Jason, I would like you to read the first five-star rating because I want to read the second one. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> okay, this comes from Woody Bergman, my favorite tech podcast. Smart enough that I'm always learning something, but not at the level where I need a computer science degree to understand it. This is one of the few podcasts where I listen to every show as soon as I get it. Being an old or maybe former goth, this also has the benefit of including what little news there is about some of my favorite old bands like Susie, Bauhaus, The Sisters, etc. All that and they're funny too. I am so grateful for these guys. Well, we are grateful for you, Woody. We appreciate yeah, you. Thanks, Woody. I was actually going to put in an article about The Sisters of Mercy just for you this week, but then I forgot. Because you're old, you know, (laughs) because I'm old. I'll try that again next week. Anyways, uh, our second five star rating is from Carl Weirstrauss. And I will give him points for performance art. I will give him. I would have appreciated. (laughs) I would have appreciated a straight up rating, but you did give us five stars. So fair enough for that. Jason, your dog won't shut up. Jason, (laughs) it's your neighbor, Mr. K from 4B. Your dog won't shut up. You won't answer your phone. And I have no other medium. 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 To contact you with, except through this podcast review. So take care of your dang dog. He's annoying everyone around here. I need him to shut up. I'm getting a migraine and it has dog written all over it. I don't know where you went off to or why he just won't shut up. Trust me, he didn't go anywhere. Jason's there. But if you didn't get here soon, well, you'll be sorry then. Grumpy old idiot, stupid dog owner. Good podcast, though. 
Thanks, Carl. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Carl. I don't live in an apartment, and my dog's a girl, but I appreciate the I appreciate the performance art. I will stick with the confusion about your dog being a girl, because if your dog was a girl, should be named Pebbles, not Bam Bam. Bam Bam was the boy's son. Pebbles right, was the I dog. know. Hey, it, you know, this is a new world. Apparently, anybody can be whatever they want. <laughs> this right. is not the the sixties or the fifties or whatever the hell the Flintstones was out. Should have named your dog Bruce Jenner then. Ah, shut up, Han Solo loving motherfucker. Okay, this next one comes from Gerald Thomas. Happy young geek. I've always been interested in tech from a very young age, but never knew much about the tech world. Earlier this year, I decided to make a career switch into coding. Oh, I'm sorry, dude, you shouldn't have done that. And was looking for podcasts that would inform me on all things tech. Well, this podcast wasn't something I expected. I have to say it sparked my interest with all the different categories and interesting articles. P.S. The voice that announces the segments reminds me of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Well, that would be a friend of the show, Robert Fogarty. Bob's your uncle. Bob is your uncle. Uh, thanks so much, Jarrell. And uh, sorry about that coding thing. I'm yeah. sorry we don't talk about it much, but now you know why. <laughs> There's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to friend of the show, Chris Punani, I mean, uh, Patroni, or uh, Patreon, or whatever the hell your name is, uh, from the Grime Life podcast, who sadly lost his cat Crumb of 17 years this week. Uh, sorry, man. It's terrible. Sucks. Yeah, and I think the cat's name is actually Croom. Croom? <laughs> yes. Sorry, Chris. Uh, also, I want to give a shout out to Caroline Crawley. You may not know her. Actually, uh who is the writer uh, that liked uh, uh, the Woody Woody from uh, our comments might appreciate the story. Uh, Carolyn Crawley has passed away. Sadly, she was the singer for Shelley and orphan, uh, a nice little kind of gothy band. Uh, also guest vocaled on a lot of this mortal coils stuff, which are still some of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, she will be missed. Okie doke. I haven't heard her, but uh, I know Dave Bittner was a, was a fan that uh, just discovered her. So I'll go check her out as well. Yes, I will. We will have a video in the show notes, so you should go check that out at uh, grumpyoldgeeks.com slash 180. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason DeFilippo, and you can check me out at jpd.me, where you can find links to all my social media and contact info, or if you want to hire me for your podcast editing and producing needs. And I'm Brian Schulmeister, and you can follow me on Twitter at SlenderFungus. Visit patreon.com slash GOG and sign up to help support the show. Even as little as a buck a month helps keep the bandwidth, baby formula, and puppy chow flowing. If you're cheap or broke, but still want to support the show, please go to grumpyoldgeeks.com slash iTunes and leave us a glowing review and five stars. And at the very least, please share the show with your friends. Grumpyoldgeeks.com is where you can listen to shows, leave feedback, ask us questions that we can read on the air, or find links to our awesome sponsors and stuff we like. We're also on Twitter at GOG Podcast and on Instagram at grumpyoldgeeks. Intro music for the show is provided by the band Among Us. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and Apple Music, or get 10 exclusive tracks when you sponsor us on Patreon. Outro music for the show is provided by Andy Stochansky. You can follow Andy at twitter.com slash houseofandy, and he's also on SoundCloud at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash andy, where you can listen to this song in its entirety. Show notes for all the links discussed in this episode can be found at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash 180. Guess what? I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. (laughs) 